I, I never heard of a crocodile crossing an ocean. Well, they conceal information like that in the books. Welcome to A Cast With No Name. We're your hosts. I'm Jay. And I'm Matt. This is episode 18, Sunday, August 28th, 2022. This episode, we will be discussing the top five man versus beast movies. And don't forget to visit our website, acastwithnoname.com, where you can comment on episodes and write to our email, contact.acastwithnoname at gmail.com. But first, uh, it's been a bit. It's been a couple weeks, two or three weeks. I forget when, I don't know, time flies. It's good to be back. Yeah. Welcome. I feel like it's just podcast interruption. Yeah. Podcast interruption. It's the way the summer goes. It's all right. Yeah. The, uh, how was your vacation? It was great. Awesome. Yeah. Vacation number two. Yep. Uh, within one, two weeks. Two weeks span. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wish myself. I had that life. I'm I'm in the wrong industry. Yeah. I, uh, and I, you know what? Uh, uh, my wife is going on another vacation today with your wife. So that's three for her in less than a month. Yeah. It's uh, living it's her best life. Hey, yeah. We get the kids this week. That'll be. Uh, it's going to be great. I don't have much hair to lose, but it's going to be gone. Mine's by. lost, so it's so, okay. Hey, I'll, we'll, <laughs> you we'll join match. me. We can rub our, rub our heads <laughs> together. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we had Puff fill in uh, again uh, for Uncharted, um, which was fine. We yeah. actually remote we recorded that remotely, Ooh. so uh, he was actually not here, and uh, we did it through Teams. It felt like he was right there with it, you, didn't it? Every yeah. step of I the way. I kept trying to grab his leg, too, but he I, every time I reached, it was just... See, that's one thing you don't get. You yeah. don't get that intimacy with him. I know. Mm. It is, I'm like, sure he's I'm It's sure just he's a just vacuum stunted. of his space to where it felt like Monte <laughs> Teo's girlfriend to where I was... Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> it just wasn't there. But, um, it sounded great, though. Yeah, good. So I'm glad technology comes through again yeah. in a clutch, in a pinch. Helps us a little bit, so... Uh, but yeah, so that was our first remote recorded podcast. Cool. Um, but yeah, uh, what have you watched? I uh, watched a couple documentaries. Uh, let's see. The Woodstock 99 thing, that was a three-parter. That mm-hmm. was pretty good. Uh, I would recommend that. If, if Where's that on? Netflix? Yeah, Netflix. If you're a kid of the 90s, yeah, definitely. I would recommend that. Uh, and then I watched uh, Untold. It's a docu, a sports docu series on Netflix as well. Netflix okay. does pretty good documentary mm-hmm. series, um, but the Untold one was the story of at least the one I watched was the newer one that came out about Manti Teo and his whole catfishing yep. escapade and all that that craziness. I mean, it's a crazy story. I never really dived into it. I was just into I knew about it and all the memes that came out yep. and how he got you know raked under the coals pretty much for pretty much his entire NFL career and. You know, could he lead a locker room with, you know, after being so dumb and being catfished and all that stuff? And, you know, you get the he, – he's a great guy, family guy, great friend, very, you know, religious guy, down mm-hmm. to his roots, hard worker. Got catfished by one of the worst people I think I've ever seen put to film. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> so. Yeah, I was talking to you about this, and they, they made it seem like the, the catfisher was the victim. Mm-hmm. You know, and sure – going through some emotional issues and stuff that, that he now transitioning to a woman had to deal with. But I mean, come on, just yeah. oh, awful person. Yeah, Manti is one of the, the type of person you'd want to bring home to your daughter. Mm-hmm. Like the whole time I'm like, God, if I had a daughter, I'd call up Manti. You dating? <laughs> you single bud? <laughs> Could you be my son? Yeah. yeah. The, uh, 
Yeah, and I didn't watch the documentary. I um, I was only aware of it through the memes as well, because uh, that happened in, what, the late 2000s or something? Yeah, 2009-ish. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, 10-ish, 11-ish. Around so there. I never do- dove deep in it at all, but yeah, yeah I mean, I can't imagine... I don't give a shit if the catfisher was going through the yeah. emotional shit. It doesn't give you the right to Hell no. at the expense of somebody else to make yeah. yourself feel better. It's yeah. Just find, find another avenue. Right. And you feel bad for him, too, because at the time, catfishing wasn't really a thing at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you had heard about it, but there wasn't a catfish series, and there wasn't that catfish documentary that came out, all that stuff. So he kind of he got really duped, and you feel for the guy. It was pretty elaborate. Yeah. Is he married oh, now? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think okay. so. Oh, yeah. good. Yeah, he's so. got his life together now. He's, he's That's good. dealt with it. And he actually, at the end of it, forgave uh, the catfisher. Oh. Yeah, I hope, hope you have a great life, and I, I forgive you. Yeah, then like, he steps ah. away from the microphone and says, the fucking Yeah, asshole. you piece <laughs> of shit. Yeah. So. so that's what I watched. Cool. I watched uh, a documentary series as well. It's on Disney+. Plus. It's called Light and Magic. Mm. And it is a... It's kind of... Um, it kind of uh, gives you the history of the development of the special effects company Industrial Light and Magic, mm. uh, which I didn't even. I think I was scrolling through Reddit one day and I saw an ad pop up for it, and I was like, "Oh snap, cool!" So watch that because I was like, "That was one of the profession." When I was a kid, I wanted to be a doctor or a makeup effects artist, and the mo- a doctor or makeup effects artist. Yeah. Wow. And okay. So yeah, two totally different sides of the spectrum. And part of that is because. Uh, when I saw T2 for the first time, mm-hmm. and I saw some behind-the-scenes featurettes to where they were playing the makeup on uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, when he when his T800 skull was kind of half showing through his face, and you had Stan Winston doing all the makeup, right, uh, right, stuff for him, and that that movie like that plus the T1000 going through the grate and the mental institution, oh, yeah. all that stuff to where. Um, I got really into computer effects and really into the makeup effects. Right. And of course, my grand I remember my grandmother, <clears throat> she's like, oh, you want to be a makeup artist? And thinking that I wanted to make people look pretty. Right, and right, right. That's the way she, I was like, no, 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 T2. And I showed her a clip and she's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like, uh, yeah, when I was growing up, I really wanted to be a hairdresser or a neurosurgeon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The, uh, but but it was a pretty good documentary. Uh, it was directed by Lawrence Kasdan. And uh, yeah. he, <clears throat> oh, he directed the documentary? Yeah. And uh. they have recent interviews of everyone that's still around that was part of the original team, uh, like John Dykstra and George Lucas and everything else. They had Ed Catmull, who went on to be uh, CEO, president of Pixar, mm. uh, because Pixar actually spawned from Industrial Light and Magic. It was their computer division. Oh. And they separated out the computer animation department um, and sold it to Steve Jobs, and that's what became Pixar. Gotcha. Um, I was going to say, who still owns a stake in – does Steven Spielberg own anything, any shares? In- so he had um, – they had DreamWorks. Okay. So it was him, David Geffen, and oh God, one other person. They started DreamWorks. SKG. Yeah, SKG. Katzenberg. Does uh, that sound right? Maybe. Jeffrey Katzenberg. Sounds sounds correct. We'll go with Jeffrey Katzenberg. There you go. Yeah. Um, they started G- DreamWorks, and then they had the offshoot of DreamWorks Animation for that one. But Spielberg, I don't think, was involved at all in Pixar. 
Um, it was mainly Ed Catmull, John Lasseter, and Steve Jobs. Right. Um, and then Steve Jobs sold it back to Disney, I think, in the late 2000s. Gotcha. It's always interesting when you watch Toy Story and you see Steve Jobs as a credit. Yeah, as a really? producer. Like, yeah. what the fuck was he doing? Yeah. And he was the money man. He threw the money at it. Um, Give him an executive producer credit. Yeah. That's what you do. But it was a pretty good documentary. A lot of what Disney comes out with as far as documentaries, they're puff pieces. And they're like, sure. oh, we always had so-and-so in mind for this role. I'm like, no, you didn't. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, it's such a, a collaborative team. And we're like, no, it wasn't. And, right, right, right. But this one actually kind of focused. John Dykstra kind of got the shaft a little bit because I, I don't think he – John Dykstra created a motion control camera setup that was used for the original Star Wars. And that was mm. the first project they did. And during the production of that movie, him and George Lucas got into it quite a bit and then after star wars and while they were doing pre-production for empire uh the documentary kind of goes into where george lucas was kind of picking people saying hey move up to san francisco let's go up to san francisco and he was kind of hand selecting people and left john dykstra who was the head of special effects uh for his company and for industrial light and magic and for uh star wars was kind of given the shaft but it kind of goes in there a little bit and they don't uh rose tint everything um it kind of talks about some of the difficulties that they had which i appreciate right because if if everything's so roses and whatever just rainbows and rose tinted glasses yeah Yeah. is it is it a just one episode or is it a series six episodes oh damn so like an hour long each yeah uh yeah 40 minutes to an hour um and uh but it's great because, I mean, each episode focuses on a certain portion of the era. Oh, cool. So um, the first one was mainly Star Wars and developing the company and kind of the difficulties. And it only has to do with the special effects department. Oh. And then the next one kind of goes into the stuff they did for Raiders mm. and uh, Young Sherlock Holmes and all these other movies. It just kind of goes through. Um, was it Young Sherlock Holmes, the first movie with... Uh Shit, what was it a called? A fully animated yeah. CG character. Yes. Yes, yes the, it was. The pain glass And that's when Pixar was still with, um, that was the Pixar division of Industrial, Industrial Light and Magic. Magic. Huh. And once they had that technology, um, Pixar was separated to where it was more animation-based, mm-hmm. to where, I mean, it's all animation, but then industrial light and magic took the technology that pixar had developed and kind of geared it more towards compositing mm-hmm. and which is taking computer animation and putting it into live action film mm. as opposed to just strictly having the whole environment computer animated gotcha so um i always love young sherlock holmes i've never se- i've never underrated. seen it i love I, it yeah it's great yeah it's one of those uh under dog or under the radar movies when I was a kid growing up, like Willow. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of people have seen that, and Young Sherlock Holmes is definitely one of those. Got you. Yeah, but yeah. So I'll have to check it out. Yeah, it sounds it, great. It's interesting. It was. Uh, it, it it's fun. Um, it's a fun watch. Cool. Just because they they kind of go in. They go into a lot of how they created the different effects. And right. for me, it was more interesting for the practical effects that they did and how they got some of the shots mm-hmm. that they did, which I was kind of sort of aware of but there's a couple uh even if you're uh if you're listening to this and you're like very much into special effects i'm sure there's one or two nuggets of things that you wouldn't learn yeah Yeah, you wouldn't have realized or it just gives you a different kind of perspective as far as how they went about it especially with the technology that they had at that time cool so but yeah very entertaining so yeah i'll check it out yeah i love nerding out with that stuff so cool uh 
top five yeah. man versus beast movies. You wanted to do <clears throat> this top five. Yes, because I, of Beast. Yes, because Beast came out two weeks ago with a, 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 a thunderous plop. And, <laughs> I know. Uh, no one saw it. The which let's talk about that trailer trailer a little bit because I that's the reason why I'm not a fan of these kinds of movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and while making these lists, we had some stipulations. Yes, we had uh, it can't be man made. Yep. So that took because we didn't want to talk about Jurassic Park. Yes, we didn't want to talk about and they're not monster movies, so that kind of pushed King Kong and Godzilla and those types of movies and yeah. we didn't want to talk about aliens. Yes. So we wanted to kind of focus it on natural occurring or mostly natural occurring yes. things. Right. Um which kind of dwindles the list down a little bit. It does. And yeah, it, yeah. it makes it very makes it, because I had a hard time coming up with five. Yeah. Just because one I don't have a long history with these types of movies. Um and because they seem kind of just over the top and dumb, especially when they take themselves <laughs> seriously. Sure. Yeah. And, um, but like, so for the beast, when I saw the trailer, I saw Charto Copley was in it and mm-hmm. Idris Elba. I was like, well, that, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And like, Oh, kind of like a survival kind of a movie. And then one of the last shots that had Idris Elba punching a lion in the face, it, in the face. And at that point I was like, Oh, I'm not going to watch this ever and <laughs> because I'm Damn. one of those people that judge a book by its cover. And I was right, like, oh, right. you, oh, that that's part of the movie is oh. him manhandling a lion. Right. You well, know. normally you're not supposed to do that, Jay. <laughs> judge a book by its cover, but you don't live your life that way. Do I, you? I don't. You, I, you're I'm against the grain. Superficial. <laughs> like everything surface level. That That's yeah. my uh, that's my go to. Um, yeah. I don't mind movies like that if it's entertaining, um, which one of the one of those movies uh, is on my list. Uh, but you're right. If you take yourself too, if you take it too seriously, it kind of takes you out of it. Mm-hmm. If you're gonna be absurd, then just kind of you gotta go, go with in. the absurd. Yeah, go all in. And yeah, I don't get that sense that Beast went all in on the absurdity. It's yeah, probably I, I, a, I, takes itself seriously. Yeah, and sure. With that kind of movie, if you do take yourself seriously, you can't have over the top. Yeah, things that kind of leap past common sense. Right. Um, or in the realm of possibility. Right. Uh, that could be wrong. Maybe there's set pieces in that movie that are suspenseful. And I mean, Idris Elba's awesome. Mm-hmm. I like him in pretty much everything he does. Love Charlton Copley. I even like a uh, ball star, whatever his last name is. He's directed it. He, he did contraband and Everest. I like both those movies. Yeah. Those are both good. Um, I don't know, but yeah, I probably won't go see it in the theaters. I'll probably wait okay. until it's free on Amazon. Yeah. Quote unquote free. I probably won't watch it ever. Oh, well, there you go. Um, well, if you watch it and you're like, ah, it's worth watching, maybe maybe I'll check maybe. it out. But, okay. Um, but yeah, there's, uh, I think all the movies on my list, at least, they could have, if they if they had a punching the animal scene. It didn't make the list? It Yeah, it, it, didn't, it just <laughs> didn't make the list. Because, I mean, unless, yeah, it just, it plain didn't make the list. Because most right. of the time, if they had, like, uh, the Gray, I think it ends up on a lot of these people's lists yeah. as far as like best man versus beast, which I thought was a great movie up until he did the Rambo, wrapped his hands and put shards of glass or some bullshit yes. in his, in his he's uh, gonna fist. Put, yeah, he's going to Irish drunk and box him to yeah, death. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> a pack of wolves. And I'm like, mm, yeah. no, uh, great movie up until that point because yeah. you just jumped the shark in that situation. Yeah. And it's... Well, it's Liam Neeson. He can... 
That's what he can do. He can do That's what he does on the he weekends. He can punch wolves. He can climb over a fence in 47 cuts. That's he right. Can, he can do it all. He can so. do anything. But, um, but yeah, so let's get into it. Let's uh, get into it. Hey, we're going to try something different this podcast too, right? We're going to we're going to amp up amp up our game. Yeah, we actually have uh we have some audio clips, so we're going to be playing those when that way when we reference something, if you guys haven't seen it or if you have seen it but you're questioning what the hell we're talking about, mm-hmm. we have a we have some audio clips so that way hopefully you can follow along with us. Right. And it rather than have JRI act out or quote a movie, it's better if the actual we can give you guys the actual actor yeah, giving the quote. It's a lot there funnier. there is an act an actor in, in these clips that is just flawless at delivering lines, so mm-hmm. I'd rather have them do it. <laughs> so All right. Do you want to go first with your number sure, five? I'll, I'll go first. Okay. I'll go first. Um so I had a really tough time trying to like you said like like you making this list the number five in particular i wasn't i was i was struggling between uh the the shallows and ghost in the darkness okay what i want what i want to put on there i ended up putting the ghost in the darkness on there because i have some nostalgia with it um uh and i kind of grew up with it but uh anyway for those who haven't seen it ghost in the darkness it's about uh uh val kilmer plays a an irish engineer tasked with building a bridge in northern Africa, Kenya, I believe, in a region called Savo. And uh, that's that's it. And then as they're building the bridge, the the uh, construction workers and the whole team gets attacked by two lions. Okay. And that's the story. Nice. And I think why I like it so much is uh, I, it's based on a true story. Mm-hmm. And actually the two lions that are supposedly attacked, not supposedly they did, uh, they ate like over 100 people, killed over 100 people. Oh, jeez. Yeah, uh, the, the, you can actually go to the Chicago Natural Field History Museum. Yeah, you, there's a display of them. Oh, because the, I love that museum. The, the yeah, the character that Val Kilmer plays, I can't remember Colonel something, um, Stephen something. He uh, actually uh, after they killed the two lions, he like skinned them and he had the two lions as rugs like where he lived at his house. And then when he decided he wanted, he didn't need them anymore. He sold them to the Chicago. Uh, Natural History Museum for five grand, and then they kind of recreated the lions off the. So hives. they wrapped the yes. yeah wrapped the rugs around. Them. Yeah. So when you go there, I remember when I went there in ninety eight or ninety nine. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm like, ooh, I wanna, I'm gonna go see the the two lions from the Ghost in the Darkness. You get there, and it's like, really? <laughs> These are the two. The, lions? They were cubs. They were they were they just looked, kittens. <laughs> uh, you were you would think that they were like, gonna be like you know thirty feet tall and yeah. just gigantic and you know in the movie they have manes mm-hmm. but they're maneless lions in reality oh, yeah. but they give them manes in the movie to make it more menacing sure but uh anyway that's the whole movie uh stephen hopkins directed it i like stephen hopkins his early stuff particularly judgment night which is one of the most underrated movies that have ever been made have you ever seen judgment i night? have not I've, i haven't seen judgment night and i haven't seen in the hard darkness oh so, really yeah judgment night's great it's got Emilio Estevez and Cuba Gooding Jr. and Jeremy Piven and, and uh, um, Dennis Leary. It's really good. Nice. It's a small movie. It's fantastic. Uh, but anyway, I like him. Um, Val Kilmer, of course, I love. The, mm-hmm. ma- the man is just a treasure. And uh, I like Michael Douglas a lot, too. So they, they kind of carry the movie uh, throughout. Um, but the reason I like it, again, it's a real-life story. Um, the scenes in it are, are, are very well done. There's not a lot of CGI. I think there's one CGI shot, and the rest of it is like they, they had real lions. Yeah. There's one animatronic like part in it 
that you barely notice, but the rest of it, like the two real lions mm-hmm. that they're wrangling and having in the scenes. So it gives it some realism to it. Nice. Yeah. That's cool. I'm going to try to play a clip here. Oh. I'm putting it on. We're going to test this out. Put it on. This is the scene where, uh, so Val Kilmer is, is tasked with killing the lion. Mm-hmm. When he first gets there, he kills one lion, and they assume that oh, all is good. But turns out that's not the lion that's doing all the killing, right? Okay. So more death is happening. He can't kill the lions. What's going to happen? They contracted Michael Douglas's character, Remington, nod to the gun, uh, to help him out, aid the lion. And this is, this is the first scene of the workers revolting like you're never going to kill the lion, and then Michael Douglas comes in okay. to introduce himself. Okay. Changing plans. Get him back! Now get him all back! Get him back! Go back quickly! Go back! Go back! Go back! Go back! Alright, you listen while I talk, because you got a question needs answering. Will I pull this trigger? You don't know all that has happened here. He will pull the trigger, Abdullah. The, the, the devil has come to Sabo. Oh, you're right. The devil has come to Sabo. Look at me. I am the devil. Oh, yeah, he is. <laughs> anyway. It's had some dirty, hairy vibes to it. It does. It, it definitely does. But funny thing about the, the background of this production, like Stephen Hopkins and Michael Douglas did not get along at all. Actually, he wanted Anthony Hopkins to play uh, Michael Douglas's character, but mm-hmm. Michael Douglas was the producer on it, and he over over uh, uh, what's the, what's the word I'm looking for here? Not overwrought. Anyway, he overruled him. That's what I'm looking mm-hmm. for. Overruled Stephen Hopkins, and he kind of just forced his way into the role. So, and I and Val Kilmer came on to this movie after his like awful experience on the island of Doctor Moreau. He's going through a divorce, so. Stephen Hopkins has a lot of good interviews with Val Kilmer, like how impressed he was with his performance because of all the shit that was going on in his life. Mm-hmm. And it definitely comes through. He's really good in it. Um, but yeah, just all that tension on the set and I'm, he, there's a lot of recuts in it and all that stuff. The, the fact that this came out of all of that is pretty impressive uh, because overall it's a, it's a pretty solid movie. Mm-hmm. It's by no means a masterpiece, but I enjoy it. I like watching it over again. I don't, I don't dread watching it, but it's enough to make the list. Got you. I would recommend it. Okay. If you're bored on a Sunday or whatever day. Nice. The uh, my number five. Yeah. Uh, is actually Shallows. Oh, there you go. So there See? you go. So we can we can talk about that one too. Sure. Why not? But um, <clears throat> excuse me. The uh, Shallows uh, came out in oh was it 2016 and stars pretty much Blake Lively, um, and it's about a med student who goes out surfing at a cove that her mother used to vacation at and her mother had died. She's kind of going out there kind of in remembrance of her and she's surfing and a shark comes along, bites her, Mm. and she's left stranded on a rock 200 yards from shore. Right. Um, It's it's a very small movie. I mean, most of it just takes place in that cove and it's kind of like a survival type of movie to where she uses uh, resources that are aware to her. I mean, she's a med student, so she kind of knows what to do to keep herself going. Um, It has that survival 
aspect of these kinds of stories that I really enjoy. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's not a shot of her punching a shark in the face. Yeah. Um, so th- that's automatically a win. But yep. her acting in it is phenomenal. Yeah. Um, and yeah, she's really good in it. Yeah. And it's it's engaging. I mean, it's not that long of a movie. Um, it uh, it's like hour and a half mm-hmm. and um, which it doesn't need to be. So like those kinds of movies are just simple place, single setting stories. Um, and it takes uh, smart fa- smartphones out of the equation because she left her phone on the beach. And yeah. so it, it, it makes everything kind of believable. Right. And um, doesn't she have a camera in it though? Or what is she? She's she, doing there, something to communicate something. There is a, um, there, there's like a GoPro camera that yeah, she yeah. has. Right. So, um, uh, so they have that aspect, but she has no way to transmit right, right. stuff. But um, she can record something. Correct. Yeah. yeah. And um, that's what gives it that emotional heft. Because mm-hmm. it was her just on a rock with no way of interacting outside of where she is. And yeah, yeah. it'd be tough to. Yep. But I mean, it's a, it's a good small little movie. And, yeah. um, and it, the reason if I like a man versus beast movie, it's typically because it shows the resiliency of humans. And I think that's the overall theme you need to have with these kinds of movies, because that's not, it's not that we're physically stronger than these animals because we're not, it's our ingenuity and our minds that are able for us to overcome these obstacles. Wait, not punching the shark in the face. Correct. So, uh, just like running 200 yards on top of sharks. Yeah. <laughs> Space Hop, Hopping through like Roger Moore. And, yeah. Like uh, Uncharted and, and, you know, Tom Holland, 20,000 yeah. <laughs> 20, feet. Yeah. In being, yeah, being able to jump from crate to crate. Yeah. Uh, with, with yeah, um, 250 <laughs> mile an hour wind. Yeah. God, he did not skip leg. Day. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think the, uh, the third, the Newton's third law of uh, equal and opposite reaction just doesn't apply. <laughs> yeah. Well, it doesn't because aerodynamics does not matter. when you're in the air with all this wind blowing. At yeah. You, so, but, um, <laughs> but no, I mean, pretty good movie i mean it's an interesting watch uh the acting's great um the the movie's put together very well because it's entertaining that doesn't feel like it drags any, mm-hmm. anywhere they keep it short enough keep things moving yeah and um and it's somewhat it, it's somewhat believable All right so yeah it almost made my list uh it's probably a better movie than the ghost in the darkness but um again nostalgia factor yeah. I, I like that you know mm-hmm. real real animals are ma- used to make the movie yeah these are t- Top five favorite ones, not top five best right. things ever made. Yeah. So. But yeah, uh, Shallows, number five for me. Like it. All right. My number four is, uh, I think this is like your number three or two, but Lake Placid. Okay. Uh, Lake Placid is my number two. There we go. Yes. Okay, well, let's talk about it. Absolutely. Go ahead with... Uh, yeah. Uh, so if you haven't seen Lake Placid, uh, it's essentially... Uh, a movie about uh, a giant alligator in, I th- think, Maine? Is it Maine? Yeah, it's Maine. Maine, okay. Um, and that's it. So it's a giant alligator movie in a lake in Maine, obviously, Lake Placid. And uh, Bridget Fonda is called in to dis- to uh, investigate it. Uh, Bill Pullman's the, the local sheriff. Uh, he's the, the fishing game. Okay, fishing uh, game guy. Yep. And then uh, Brendan Gleeson is the, the sheriff? The sheriff, yep. Right. And then you got Oliver Platt, who's a... Kind of a reward-renowned like alligator hunter. Yeah, billionaire, not a hunter, billionaire, but a eccentric, playboy, eccentric, right. rich guy who loves alligators. Right. You got Betty White in there, um, and that's the movie. I mean, all mm-hmm. it is is just these characters interacting with each other, trying to find the the giant alligator. Yeah. So, 
You have this at number four. I have it number two. The reason, and this movie is absurd. Um, right, in all, the, in all the best ways. Yes, and <laughs> that's why it's high up there because I think if you're going, this is a kind of movie to where if somebody punched an alligator in the face, it would be somewhat believable. Now, wouldn't it be, right. oh, I punched him and knocked him out? Obviously, that's not believable. Sure. Wouldn't it fit in this movie? But if they had a scene like that to where someone was going to try and uh, box yeah, an alligator, yeah. it, maybe it would fit. But the absurdity of this movie, they, the characters play into that, too, to where I like this movie not because the alligator. Like, everything with the alligator is my least favorite. Yes. It's these characters interacting with each other is why it ranks so high on my list. Absolutely. Because it's incredibly funny. Yes. And the Every single actor knows what kind of movie they're in. Yes. Yeah. And <laughs> they kind of understand the absurdity of it. And yeah. I think that's what plays so well with it. Yeah. And uh, one of my favorite bits throughout this movie is just th- them shitting on, on each Brendan Gleeson's <laughs> character. Yeah. yeah. So they gang up on him, uh, yeah. the, the local sheriff, and uh, they kind of gang up on Bridget Fonda with because yeah. she's. Uh, from city New York girl. and yeah. City Girl, just out in the out wilderness. Of her element, yeah. And uh, Bill Pullman uh, plays more or less a straight man. Typical I mean, Bill Pullman yeah. straight man character. Yep. That's what that's his bread and butter. And uh, he's just kind of there. Is like I feel like you're as the audience, you're supposed to relate to that character. You're supposed to be Bill Pullman, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Um, but then Oliver Platt, <laughs> is probably one of my favorite movies he's been in. Oh yeah, and, for sure. Um, why he wasn't in more after this just blowing up as comedic actors beyond me yeah. but i think this movie kind of got lost because of the year it came out in yeah it, which was 99, 99 which is like <laughs> i mean to release a pretty good comedy in 99 sucks because you had the matrix you had saving you had all these star wars yeah all these massive movies coming yeah. out that year it was like 1982 in yeah. 2008 you had just so many good movies came out this year. I feel like this kind of got lost. Right. And it, it was the beginning of the advent of you had to have a CGI character in something. Mm-hmm. So just the market was saturated with movies like that, with CGI characters and bigger budget movies like that. Yeah. Which they still had um, some practical effects in yeah. there, They had uh, which worked. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Well, and also I think uh, this relates to another movie on my list, which is on your list too. It's hard. It's hard to market horror comedies. Mm-hmm. It really is, because um, that's one thing that surprised. When I first saw this, when I was watching it, I thought I was just gonna watch a horror like monster allegory movie, and yep. it shocked me about how funny it was. Mm-hmm. Like I laughed more than I was. I wasn't scared at all. I just I laughed the whole time. And the reason I watch it again is not like you said for the horror element. It's because it's funny. Yeah. 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 It's a great comedy. Great dialogue. Um, but yeah, the 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 shitting uh, on the sheriff. <laughs> is great. I have some clips uh, for it, but I mean, every character just kind of craps on the sheriff and just yeah. kind of insinuates throughout the entire movie that uh, yeah. that he's dumb. Um, yep. Why don't you play the pl- pl- play the first? Uh, it, this just kind of like, throughout the movie, uh, Brendan Gleeson's character and Oliver Platt's character. They kind of. Ha- yeah, yeah, going back and forth because they're two totally different sides of a spectrum as far as characters and also where they came from. I, I never heard of crocodile crossing an ocean. Well, they conceal information like that in books. <laughs> so short, <laughs> super short clip. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, y- 
you get it to where yeah he has a bunch of this just offhand comments to the uh to the sheriff and in his face you can see that he's just he's tired of it yeah and uh, brendan gleason's <laughs> facial reactions is just throughout the entire movie whenever someone yeah. talks to him he's just you can just see the desperate like not desperation but just the just like the you fucking ass. Well, yeah, can you just like, get, can you God. just let me breathe for five seconds? Yeah. <laughs> um, and then go ahead and uh, I, you, you want to go through all the Betty yeah, White stuff? Yeah, just go. By the way, Betty White is amazing in this. Yeah, she's fantastic. Ugh, she's probably the best part in it. But this kind of like uh, kind of piles on just all yeah. these characters. Yeah. Well, my husband passed away. It's been almost two years now. My department doesn't have any record of that, Mrs. Bickerman. Well, I'm sorry. Incomplete records haunt me so. <laughs> what was the cause of your husband's death, ma'am? Do you know? So, it, it, no matter what he says, <laughs> I know it's just other like doesn't matter who the character is. They just come like continue keep shitting on it. He, keep he gets he's get shitty, he gets shit on by like an eight year old nice lady. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he can't escape anything. Yeah. Well. Finally, I just gave in, and I hit him on the head with a skillet, then buried him under the bulkhead. Well, dig him up if you don't believe me, Sherlock. <laughs> Which you, you can't see it, but yeah, I, yeah, his wait, face. I buried him under the bulkhead, and that's just there's a shot of Brendan Gleeson. It's like, oh come on, and then right, right, that, right. That's what drives her to, yep, say that. But uh, and then the last clip from. Yeah, we'll do we'll do this last one. Yeah. Your husband Bernie, you didn't by any chance lead him to the lake blindfolded. If I had a dick, this is where I'd tell you to suck it. You're under full house arrest. Thank you. Officer fuck me too. Sheriff, we got a problem with Hector. Awesome. Yeah, I mean the the way they they treat that sheriff character just because typically they have more respect for him and like if it was more serious movie they, they wouldn't shit on him so much. But yeah. that I mean um, it's definitely more of a comedy than anything else. Absolutely. But that's yeah. it's I, and that's the reason why it's my number two because I think it does the absurdity of these kinds of movies. It's probably one of the best examples of an absurd man versus beast movies. Yeah. Um, because it doesn't take itself too seriously. Not it at just, all. I mean, it's more about the comedy than anything. Yeah, yeah. It, but they do have uh, when they sprinkle do sprinkle in the horror. Uh, I, I I love monster movies like this one. I like the the build up to it of what are we dealing with, mm-hmm. like the etymology of it all. Like it's, some people don't believe what you're talking about, and uh, you as an audience are going on this journey of the them trying to figure out what they're dealing with. This even does a pretty good job at that because you know Brendan Gleeson doesn't. The, the first part of the movie is like this is just a, I don't, it's not an alligator. It's probably yeah. something else. And mm-hmm. the scene where the alligator c- jumps up and, and eats the bear for the most part, mm-hmm. and Brendan Gleeson realizes that oh shit, you know we're dealing with like that's done pretty well. Um, but yeah, and, and it it does pretty well. Like Oliver Platt swimming with the alligator. Yeah, that scene is fairly well done because oh, yeah. um, you, you don't know. I mean, characters just up and die quickly to yeah. where. Granted, a lot of them are minor, but it comes out of nowhere. So um, it does a good job establishing that tension for some of those scenes that require that. So yeah. it, it does a great job of handling the tone because mainly it is a comedy, but there are some scenes in there to where 
um, there is some some kind of suspense. Right. And David E. Kelly wrote the script. Yeah. What is that? Law and Order? LA, dude, he's like prolific. Yeah. Alan McBeal, Boston Legal, The Practice, L.A. Law. I mean, it's nuts. He's mm-hmm. won like 11 Emmys, and it's just weird. He's like, I want to write an alligator monster movie. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's why I was lightning in a bottle. Yeah, may, I, I'd be interested. I, I don't know if he just kind of wrote it out of the blue. Maybe. Like he was just kind of, maybe he was or he, maybe he was hired out of, yeah. hey, I, I want some extra work. Like, he, oh, can you write this? Yeah, maybe that was it. Maybe there's a script, and they're like, hey, David, could you punch this up? I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know. But yeah, because the, the director, Steve Miner, he did like Friday the 13th, part two and three, mm-hmm. did House, Halloween H2O. Uh, remember, remember the movie Soul Man with C. Thomas Howell? Oh, jeez. <laughs> he did that movie. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, obviously, you're not working with, like, you know, Spielberg here, but mm-hmm. um, it's the script that carries it for the most part. Yeah. And I don't know. How do you think they convinced Betty White to do this? Because I think before this movie, I don't think she had done anything. Oh, she'd always done comedy. I know comedy, but not anything that crass. That crass, yes. Oh, pro- I mean. She was later in her career, obviously. I mean, obviously. I, she, but she went on, like, for the next 20 years, she was still doing stuff. Yeah. So, um, but I think she's always, it probably just the opportunity of playing a role that she's never really played before. Yeah. Um, she nails it. Yeah. It's and great. You, you could tell she's having fun with Oh, that. yeah, yeah. And her I, comedic timing, like, any, like, what is it, Cloris Leachman, I think, is probably the only yeah. other person that I think would be able to pull off that sweet old lady. Yeah, probably. It's also crass. But, yeah. And I think part of it, being one of the first roles for Betty White like that to where it gave a lot of people a different perspective as far as what she could do. Right, kind of so. introducing her to a younger crowd. Yeah. Like, oh, she's pretty funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's great. I love it. So Cool. But yeah, right. that's my... Uh, that's my number four. That's your number four, my number two. What's your number three? My number... Well, my number four. Oh, I'm sorry. That's right. Yeah. You go so ahead. We, we count. We start from five... No. <laughs> hurts my brain. <laughs> uh, my number four is Tremors. Oh. Um, so that is – now, Tremors, <clears throat> I, I feel like, still counts for this natural occurring thing because yes. I think in part two they explain it as like a prehistoric thing. Yeah, right. And, it's like a dinosaur. But actually, I think there was some kind of I, – I Googled it because – I wanted to see if it was there was anything kind of similar in uh-huh. the, like prehistoric era that actually and there were some kind of worms that were larger in size huh. at some point in history or right. whatever some kind of fossilized whatever but right. anyway so they're naturally occurring within the movie they're prehistoric and they just kind of wake up yeah um, but Tremors is another example of kind of like an absurd movie but they're having fun with it yeah absolutely um and it doesn't take itself too seriously but it does a good enough job of also maintaining that that suspense and kind of having the ability to switch tones yes on a dime yes yeah uh tremors is actually my number three okay well good look at us we're just simpatico we're we're just (laughs) flowing through this but like you said there's not that many that fit this list Mm mm-hmm um, but it's good that because I mean, Trimmers is a good movie. It re- it really is. Yeah, it's well done. And I, th- um, and I think part of it, I don't. I think it was meant to be like a scary. I mean, it has some comedic elements into it. I know Kevin Bacon was not a fan of being a part of this. He thought no. his career hit the shit the bed. Yeah, and 
uh, th- there's a story that like he he cried yeah uh, out on the street after like he had uh, he had a baby on the way mm-hmm. and he had like four movies in a row where that just completely flopped and he essentially took the role because he needed money yeah that's why and but I think but he still gave it doesn't come through in this performance it doesn't at all. Yeah. yeah I mean everyone does a uh, a great job with what they have to do Fred Ward. Uh, awesome. Kevin Bacon, um, Reba is in this. Yeah. And uh, Michael Gross. Yep. The uh, great Mr. Keaton. Yeah. I mean, they they respect the material enough. And I think yeah, yeah. That, they're having fun with it. Yeah. Um, but because it, it could have easily have been like a Trolls 2 or just like a crap. But oh, I yeah. think it was well done enough, especially with the practical effects. Yep. Um, I feel like they took enough care with, especially with the creature design and everything yep. else. Um, to where, yeah, feels like you read the description, feels like a B movie. Yeah, it's they're they're it's going for good. like a '50s B movie vibe mm-hmm. to it, which comes through. And again, it's like what I was talking about earlier with uh, discovering the creature. Like it does, the film does a good job setting that up to mm-hmm. where you don't see the the worm or whatever yeah. right away. They have shot like tracking shots where it's just the camera, mm-hmm. you don't see anything, and uh, it builds the suspense pretty well yeah. up to that point when you do see one. And it's a great concept. Like, yeah, it is. You can't walk on the gr- like the floor is lava, pretty much. Pretty much, yeah. And um, and the characters come up with some pretty ingenious ideas on how to avoid it. Yep, which I thought was smart. Yeah, which is another reason because they use their ingenuity instead yeah. of. I mean, you have the one scene when they, you guys, uh, <laughs> broke into the wrong rec room, and they oh, have, yeah, yeah, they're yeah. just pummeling it with <laughs> ammunition. Um, yeah, and they just keep going to bigger and bigger and bigger guns, but. Um, <clears throat> But yeah, they use their ingenuity. They they think about things. They try. They have a plan of attack. They, um, and it's a this small town that's working together to defeat this. And yeah, well, and that's a good another good piece of it. The the town is so it's not even like towns like that don't really exist. Like they perfection don't. population fourteen people. Yeah, and you got a guy who who runs a market. Yeah, is that and guy making handyman, any money? Handyman. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, you need a little bit more people to sustain yourself. Yeah. True. Yeah. But they couldn't. Uh, I mean, sense of the story, they couldn't have it somewhere that's able to be easily gotten to another town. Right. It had to be extremely remote for the yeah. story. Yeah, and work. I think it's a smart choice, too, because you can't have a lot of character background. Like, how do you – how how do this Kevin Bacon and Fred Ward's character know these people so well? Mm-hmm. Like, you don't have to have that backstory because it is a town of 14 people, and yeah. you know they know – everything about everyone yep. so you don't need to have that backstory mm-hmm. filled in with dialogue or anything yeah. yeah 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 you don't have yeah that unnecessary exposition yeah. dump of yeah things which is typically what they do in these kinds of movies like i watched crawl recently yeah and there was just some dialogue that was just bad because you you have to give these characters backstories mm-hmm. as far as why they're doing things to but care it, about it just yeah to to care about them as opposed to just just drop the viewer in the setting in this community and go. Yeah. Um, and uh, that's a lot of these kinds of movies just have that bad back and forth. Like, well, you know, like you just have the characters talking to each other like they wouldn't talk to each other. Yeah. Like uh, the mother, daughter and crawl or the father, daughter and crawl. And you're like, oh, why did you leave? You know all this shit. You don't need a history on their divorce. Right. You're right. already aware of it because you lived through it. Sure. And, yeah. But yeah. Yeah, I couldn't imagine uh, pitching this movie. They're like, uh, it's uh, Worms Underground. 
It's going to be like Jaws, but, you know, on land. Yeah. That's probably what they were going for. Probably. Maybe that was the tagline. It's Jaws on land. Oh, here you go. You'll never want to go on the ground again. Yeah. But the two riders on it, uh, uh, S.S. Wilson and Britt uh, Maddock, they did, like, Short Circuit and Batteries Not Included, Heart and Soul. Like, Mm -hmm. you get that sense of, it's like an upbeat sort of sensibility Mm -hmm. with the dialogue and stuff. And Ron Underwood, who did City Slickers and uh, Heart and Soul. Yeah. So you get that in bet- interspersed in between this horror movie is just that lighthearted sort of sensibility mm-hmm. that I think works pretty good. Oh, it does. And, it, and especially having those people with enough experience developing characters that you care about. Yeah. Like Batteries Not Included. I mean, the same kind of thing to where it takes place in an apartment building. And... That one is a little bit to where they don't necessarily know each other as much, mm-hmm. but they're able to create that kind of um, care for the characters um, in kind of a similar function because it's about the same size yeah. kind of movie. But yeah, <clears throat> and the relationship between Kevin Bacon and Fred Ward's great. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they they you can definitely tell they're buds. God, I wish I had some clips on it. There's some good banter between the two. Um, and what about the 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 kid, like the the asshole kid? In the movie, like yeah. I'm like, where are the parents at? It's like he's got his own house, and there's I'm like, what is he's got his own house? What's this guy do? Just bounces the basketball all day and gives yeah. Kevin Bacon shit. That's my job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's my number. My number four. Your number three. Yeah, cult classic. Tremors. Yeah. Well, I guess then I'll go for my number three. Okay. Yeah. So my number three um, is the Sandlot. Ooh, explain. Yeah, so <laughs> literally, it's a bunch of kids versus the Beast. But I think um, this movie didn't pop into my head immediately when I was trying to think of this list. And I think I was on one of my Wednesday afternoon calls with Puff, just mm-hmm. talking about movies or something, and I forget what made me think of it. But it, I, I realized, I was like, because I, was, I think I was explaining to him, I was like, I'm not a fan of these movies, but when I do like these movies, I like it because of the human ingenuity of trying to overcome whatever obstacle they're faced with. Right. And maybe it was something along that line to where this, I was reminded of The Sandlot. And uh, to where it's obviously people mainly think of it as a baseball movie, uh, kids grown up, coming like almost coming of age kind of movie, um, or just a good summertime flick or whatever, just comedy yeah. kind of a thing. But the elements that I enjoy about man versus beast are also in this film because you have, um, the kid hits the ball over the fence and they need to get it back. And then there's this whole lore of this 20 year old dog. Yeah. (laughs) Um, that's the beast and he's in the backyard and you can't just go in there and get it to where, um, so that you have everything based on fear. Um, the story is told from an older narrator to where he's given the perspective of when he's telling the story, it's the same perspective of when he was a kid. So yeah. you have this larger than life dog beast thing that's killed people, just the local legend of bullshit. Yeah. And to where it kind of inhibits how they're able to get the ball based upon that fear. Yeah. Um, which is, which I think works. Um, yeah. but, but you also have the escalation of their attempts. So first they try and get it with a stick. Yeah. Then uh, more or less a stick with a piece of 
uh, or a, a cup, a cup, yeah, and or a frying pan or whatever. whatever it was. And then they go into vacuums, yeah. and sucking it up, and then the, the bungee uh, with yeah, yeah, dipping him down to try and grab it, and then yeah. the erector set, yeah, yeah, everything, everything, everything. Yeah, um, I like where your head's at. Yeah, because Sandlot is to me like the quintessential coming of age story like a uh, new kid coming in town that doesn't fit in right but yeah you're right sprinkled in there is the the whole story with the beast mm-hmm. it's pr- it pretty much takes over the second half of the movie yeah and and i think it i think it works in a in a similar way to because typically you you have to have that element of fear uh in these types of movies because there has to be some kind of stakes yeah um and even though watching it as an adult you're like, okay, this is a little, like, how are these kids believing this kind of thing? But it's believable when you're a kid. So it's the, the same kind of elements uh, that they experience. But um, mainly fear is the biggest thing. But there's a clip um, I have for this, which is kind of obvious. And Oh, you got it. Oh, you have you it. You want me to have it? You All have right. it. Here we go. Forget about that stuff, kid. We ain't got much time. I'm here because you're in some kind of a pickle, right? Yeah. A baseball with my John Hancock on it, went over a fence, and you can't get it back, right? Yeah, right. Then just hop over there and get it. Wait, wait. I can't. Can't what? I can't go into that backyard. Why not? There's a beast back there. What kind? A giant gorilla dog thing that ate one kid already. Is that a fact? Sit down, kid. Sit down. Let me tell you something, kid. Everybody gets one chance to do something great. Most people never take the chance, either because they're too scared or they don't recognize it when it spits on their shoes. So, and that also touches on to where a lot of these movies, people have to overcome their fear to be, to overcome either the beast obstacle or something. Yeah. They have to um, overcome their own sense of fear of whatever it is they're dealing with. Um, But no, I I like it for that aspect of it because the, the simple solution is just... Just go over there and get it. Just go over there and get it. <laughs> yeah, just take like the they, they would have just did that then, yeah, yeah. or knocked on the front door of Mr. Right. Myrtle's house. Right, right, it's right. Like, knock on my. I would have gotten it for you. Yeah, yeah. Into where the, uh, your sense of fear just kind of blocks every other kind of rational way of yeah. handling something, all because of based on rumor or stuff like that. But I mean, I think it's a great example. Um, and then, of course, at the end, they get the ball back. They, the most unbelievable thing is probably Benny the Jet outrunning a dog. Yeah. Um but uh but yeah, and it's just a normal sized dog. Yep. It's a typical yep. what is it? A mastiff? Yeah, something yeah, yeah. like that. Yeah. And um but yeah. And it's great. It's just a funny movie. It's yeah. a good lighthearted I love that movie. Mm-hmm. Who doesn't love the Sandlot? But it has the uh it has the human ingenuity uh yep. which what I enjoy. They come up with a bunch of different uh ways to try and overcome uh, the problem that they're facing. Right. So. It's a good pick. Nope. Out of left field pick, Jay. Yeah. I like it. All right. Where am I at? Number so, two? Yeah. Yeah. You're number two. My number two is Mimic. Okay. Um, Mimic is a movie about 
again, directed by Guillermo del Toro, and it stars Mira Servino, Josh Brolin, uh, F. Murray Abraham. Oh God, who's the who's the guy and uh, the cop in it? Who's awesome? I can't remember his name. Uh, but anyway, it's about a, a insect monster <laughs> uh, that they have to defeat. That's essentially the movie. So uh, Mir Servino is a, a, etymo- or a etymologist. I don't even know what bug bug people are called. Yeah. Well, anyway, she uses uh, there's a, a disease called Strickler's disease that's ravaging New York City children. It's killing them. So and it's being passed around by cockroaches. Mm-hmm. So the way to combat that is they genetically engineer uh, uh, like a locust to uh, kill these cockroaches. So that's what she does. They release it into the sewers of New York City, kills all the cockroaches. Everyone's, the disease doesn't be spread, or, spread around anymore. Children are being saved. Happy ending, you know. You know the, you know the rest. Yeah. Uh, three years later, uh, they, people are starting to die, and uh, she gets a bug from like two kids that are, just going through the undergrounds of, of, of New York City. They find mm-hmm. a bug. They give it to her, and she does the DNA test on it, and she realizes it's the same little tiny bug that she released three years ago, but now it's grown into these massive giant bugs. And essentially the bug has, after they've genetically engineered it to, to where it, it, you know, one generation is like 40 generations to, you know, to, it just keeps how, spawning how it keeps and evolving and evolving yeah. in such a quick period of time. And it's evolved to mimic humans, hence the name Mimic. So they've been around us for for a couple years now, mimicking us. We just haven't realized it. So that's the movie, and you fight that that monster. Uh, it's pretty absurd the concept of it, but uh, again, it goes back to nostalgia for me. It was it came out in '97. This is the height of the Dimension films. You mm-hmm. know, after Scream was successful, they just started green lighting all these like horror movies and gave directors a chance with big budgets like. Mimic comes to mind for Guillermo del Toro. The Faculty with Robert Rodriguez comes to mind. Um, obviously, Scream Two, Phantoms. Just mm-hmm. it's kind of the same visual style and the music behind all those movies. Marco uh, Beltrami, he did all the music to, to all these movies because I, I like the the score of the movie. It sets the tone pretty good. Um, but I just like this movie because of the nostalgia. I like that concept of a bug mimicking a human. I think that's I, it's cool, cool idea. Mm-hmm. Again, what I was talking about—the build-up to learning what the the what the monster you're dealing with here—I think this is probably the best example of that. Just the build-up to what you're dealing with. I think that that's done great. I, I love Gilmo del Toro's vi- visuals. Uh, I mean, there's nothing like it. He's just great at uh, visually directing a scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, that comes through. All the performers are great in it. Uh, it's not particularly gory past the point of disgust or anything. Um, the ending's kind of anticlimactic, but that's because you know, Harvey and Bob Weinstein came in and they wanted a happy ending. Guillermo, this is a director's cut where there isn't a happy ending where they don't survive the end and actually the bugs take over. Hmm. And uh, there's like three survivors. There's a subway scene in the movie uh, where they get out of the subway, but he wanted it to end with the subway scene and the 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 bugs taking over New York city and killing everybody. They survived and they're spreading out to other parts of the country. And like they, they emerge from the subway cart, like as the only survivors in the movie ends, which would have been a way better ending, but yeah. it had to be, uh, had to be a happy ending. Yeah. But yeah, I love it. It's great. Have I, you ever seen it? I have not. I've seen bits and pieces of it. Mm. 
um, when it first came out. I think uh, because I was probably when did this come out? Ninety seven. So I was probably thirteen. Yeah, fourteen, and I wasn't. I'm trying to think of movies that I was into. It wasn't. I, I in ninety seven. Ne- I was never into horror. Yeah, like dimension films. Yeah. Um, and it did was, you did you like Scream when that came out? Did you watch? That? I didn't watch Scream probably until I was in college. Oh, really? And it was fine. Uh, <laughs> I, same thing with like slasher movies. Why I'm not a fan of like Man vs. Beast movies. It's just yeah, yeah. the absurdity. Yeah. Of it. Um, I mean, I saw Halloween H two O when it was in theaters. Yeah. And I was like, oh, they chopped off his head. Well, I guess that's the end of that's that story. That's the end of that. Well, you were wrong there. Yeah. And so, um, but yeah, so I, I, I never watched it. I think I was mainly more into comedies, and uh, I liked Blade. Uh, like, I mean, I guess those kinds of movies that came out in the 90s. So, yeah. Like, action-oriented. Um, wasn't too much into horror or anything like that. You're right. So, probably so, because I was a pussy. Probably. Um, Giant Crying one. in bed after seeing a couple of cock cockroach scenes in this so. yeah but it it's uh it's just the tone in the movie and like the sounds and the set the setups mm-hmm. the suspense in it i mean it's really well done yeah. I, I like it a lot it's it doesn't it doesn't age badly at all that piece of it uh he's just so good at at visuals i just mm-hmm. lo- love looking at it it like they, there could have been no dialogue in this movie and i still would have enjoyed it just yeah. because it's it looks great. Mm-hmm. Even like the uh, the the CGI scenes that haven't aged all that well. Even those are pretty good, given the time. I mean, I'll give them, you know, a pass because it's ninety seven. It's yeah. not, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's a clever idea, just well done, and mm-hmm. I like it. I wish they didn't. I wish he could have had the final say in it instead of studios shitting on it and giving him notes and whatever. But yeah, of course, he was. I mean, this was his first big budget one. Yeah, big budget. Yeah. Yep, and because uh, I don't know, did he do Blade Two after this? He did. Thing? Yeah. So. Yep. Well, he did uh, the Devil's Backbone after that. He actually mm-hmm. fought. He, they wanted Blade Two to come out before the Devil's Backbone because they thought that if the Devil's Backbone was bad, that it would give Blade Two like a oh, bad reputation. Yep. Obviously, that didn't happen. He got he got his way, and mm-hmm. Blade Two is awesome. Yeah, I, I enjoy that more than the first one. So, and I think even Blade Two is still like people people were aware of. Guillermo del Toro, but he's not like the name that he is now. No, definitely um, not. I, th- I feel like his star definitely rose during the 2000s. Sure. And <clears throat> with that, so. Yeah. That's my number two. Awesome. I love it. Well, uh, my number two was Lake Placid. We already talked about that. We did. And, uh, well, let's talk about our number one, which is. Uh, I think it goes without saying, right? Yeah, fucking, it's fucking obvious. So It's obvious. We won't even say the title, so. Yeah. Um, no, Jaws, obviously. <laughs> it's obviously Jaws. So um, I think this is the number one for a lot of people on like these uh, kinds yeah, of movies. For sure. Um, uh, sh- good, 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 good segue in here. So I was, I was reading an article about uh, what Quentin Tarantino thought was the best movie made. Um, and he had a really interesting answer. He said, he's like, well, the best film that I – his best film is The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. That's the best film in his eyes. But mm-hmm. he said the best film ever made is Jaws. From, like, what they had versus the, the final outcome. He's like, mm-hmm. he's like, that is the best film ever made. Yeah. From a technical perspective. Taking all the, yeah. the pieces, especially the pieces that didn't work. Right. Because originally the shark was supposed to be seen a lot, 
sooner in the mm-hmm. story. <clears throat> um, and the fact that it wasn't working well, that they were shooting half of it on water. They had to, I mean, they were in boats and they yeah. had to like play with the tides and the currents and stuff like that for, uh, to try and get into the vicinity so that way they could shoot what they wanted to shoot. Um, they had a lot of issues with that. Um, and I think this was before they had water tanks. Yeah. So they had to shoot in the ocean. Yeah. Right? Shoot in the ocean. They had to deal with currents. They had to deal with waves. They, I mean, all the elements um, is just very, very difficult for Steven Spielberg to be able to. He shouldn't have been able to make as good of a movie as he did. As he did, because not only is it, I mean, it's it's probably yeah. I mean, it's one of the best movies ever made. Yeah. Um, I, that's inarguable. Yeah. It's. I mean, it's what forty over forty years old, mm-hmm. and it's. I mean, it's still, still great. It still holds up. Oh yeah, it's awesome. So it doesn't feel dated. No, at all. Um, but it falls in line. The reason why this is my number one, it falls in line again with the theme of relying on human ingenuity and uh, problem-solving skills to overcome this obstacle, and. It it does it so well, but you also have a bunch of other stories and sub-layers to that movie that all fit very, very well. So you have um, Chief, uh, Chief Brody. Um, I mean, it works also as a fish out of water mm-hmm. kind of a, a thing to where Chief Brody's an outsider, and he's trying to wrap his hands around this situation. Um, but he's not only an outsider to where he doesn't like water. He's an outsider because he's not from Amity Island. Mm-hmm. He is from the city. He's um, So he's dealing with so many things he's never had to deal with before and trying to uh, deal with the politics of it, the, um, the, the actual sheer magnitude or being able to, like, the, the physicality of it to where, okay, we have to kill this shark, Um to where he has no experience with that. He has no, he's co- constantly relying or fighting locals mm-hmm. to be able to overcome this. Right. Which I think is a very interesting um, aspect to have in a movie to where some of these things, y- you get a character or the main characters, um, kind of the professional, like, oh, he's, he's just leading everybody to where him, he's just trying his best to either keep up or trying to minimize the amount of damage without uh, having so much collateral damage as far as like shutting down the beaches and yeah. uh, then losing the financial aspect of that. Right. Um, it works on two levels too because, yeah, he's the fish out of water. And also, even if it was a, a local sheriff, how we, how would he deal with a shark? It, he would, you know, it's not a normal circumstance that you're going to find yourself in. Yeah. So it, make, it makes the, the arc of his character, it amplifies it because he is not from that area too. Mm-hmm. So the, I, I have several clips for this that I want to, we'll do the first one, right. Th- this one, because I referenced, I think earlier in an episode when we talked about Jaws, this is one of my favorite, uh, just favorite lines. It's just like a one off line or whatever, but it's, um, it's the dialogue and like, it, I, I feel like it illustrates the realism of some of these characters. It's boats. <sighs> Martin hates water. Martin Martin sits in his car when we go on the ferry to the mainland. I guess it's a childhood thing. It's uh, 
There's a clinical name for it, isn't there? I Drowning. Listen. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, I don't know why that's one of my favorite ones, but it's just I, I love that scene. Um, but I mean that I just put I, that. I there, think so. he's he's <clears throat> conveying that. It's not irrational. Mm-hmm. You're trying to have some sort of psychological depth of my personality. It's like, no, I just, I'm afraid of drowning. It's yeah. like typical. A lot of people are afraid of drowning. Mm-hmm. I am not special by any means yeah. because I'm afraid of drowning. It's not a water. childhood trauma thing. It's right. not, it's like, no, I just, I, I don't like to drown. Right. Oh. It's like being afraid Shocker. of heights. Like, yeah. oh, why? Is it a childhood? No, falling. Falling. <laughs> it's gravity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> have you seen what happens to people when they fall? Mm-hmm. Like off a ladder, yeah. let alone a building. Yeah. The, um, but as far as and I wanted to, and I want to dive a little bit deeper into his situation. So, um, one of my favorite scenes. Uh, let's do a, go ahead and play the clip of the fairy scene, mm-hmm. and I'll explain why it's. Martin, Martin, you, you going to shut down the beaches on your own authority? Well, what other authority do I need? Now, technically, you need a civic ordinance or a resolution by a board of select. That's just going by the book. We're really a little anxious that you're, uh, you're rushing into something serious here. It's your first summer, you know. What does that mean? I'm only trying to say that Amity is a summer town. We need summer dollars. If people can't swim here, they'll be glad to swim at the beaches of Cape Cod, the Hamptons, Long Island. That doesn't mean we have to serve them up a smorgasbord. We've never had that kind of trouble in these waters. Well, what else could have done that to that girl? Boat for Bella? Well, I think uh, possibly, uh, yes, a boating That's accident. That's not what you told accident. me over the phone. I was wrong. We'll have to amend our reports. And you'll stand by I'll that? I'll stand by you. Martin, uh, a summer girl goes swimming. Swims out a little far. She tires. Fishing boat comes along. It's happened before. I don't think you appreciate the gut reaction people have to these things. Harry, I appreciate it. I'm just reacting to what I was told. Martin, it's all psychological. You yell Barracuda. Everybody says, huh? What? You yell Shark. We've got a panic on our hands on the 4th of July. You know what I like about that scene? All shot in one take? Right, that, because what if one of the actors fucks up their lines? Like, all right, get the ferry back. Get the ferry back. (laughs) Because they drive the car on the ferry. They have all the timing. Yeah. But yeah, I... That scene illustrates perfectly the magnitude of the situation. Yeah. And I think him cutting, like, just having it all in one take was great because, I mean, it shows the politics that he's trying to deal with. Where typically in these movies, you have the sheriff that's just the head, he could do whatever he wants. They're like, oh, I have the authority to do this. They, they very, um, not a lot of movies put in the the political angle to Mm -hmm. where, uh, or the financial aspect of these decisions that get made. And they're valid concerns, too, because, I mean, this that island is part of a tourist economy yeah. to where shutting down the beaches would drastically affect, and they even make a line to it later in the movie that they would be on welfare throughout the winter. Right, yeah. Um, and so it's not as simple as, oh, we got one kill. Um, yep. Let's shut down for everybody's safety. Everyone's like, well, let's, let's pump yeah. the brakes a little bit. And um, seeing him struggle with the fact that he not only has to convince the mayor or 
he has to kind of play by the rules. But like the doctor that initially said, yeah, it was a shark attack. And now the doctor's saying, nope, uh, I made a mistake. It's a boat propeller because he was convinced by yeah. the mayor to not shut down. I'll stand by my word. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and it's not, I mean, just him having to mess with that conspiracy to yeah. where he knows what the right thing to do is, but he's unable to just because they're, they're thinking right. dollar signs. Well, any normal person it's, it doesn't understand politics like that. Like how, how are you going to explain to the audience that, uh, you're going to go back into the water after a shark attack. Mm-hmm. Anybody would say, yeah, we're just going to close down the beaches. All right, but that, then you have no movie. Yeah. <laughs> There's nope. no stakes. Yeah. yeah. It's really smart. And then, so he's kind of playing second fiddle uh, to the town council. Mm-hmm. Um, and he kind of plays second fiddle throughout, I mean, the whole movie at one point or another. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, because obviously, uh, as the audience, you're supposed to be rooting for the sheriff. You're seeing it through his eyes as an outsider as well. And I think that's kind of what helps this movie also is because there is that character that you're able to share the same point of view with to where yeah. this is maddening. Why aren't we doing this, this and this? And you can feel you can share in that character's frustration, which I think is monumental to this movie and why it stands the test of time, um, because you can share that journey with that character right and there's there's definitely mirroring uh he's brody's such a good character too with you know he's in between the town and the shark what's the right thing to do and then when he goes on the 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 hunt with quint and hopper Mm -hmm. he's in the middle as well where quint is like the shark in this situation and hopper is like the town like you know we're gonna do it this way Mm -hmm. it's like no we're doing it my way yeah and brody's smack dab in the middle again he's like i don't know what to do yeah what do you want me to do yeah and he's and uh, go ahead and play the next clip because I mean that that kind of goes on what you're saying. Is this the? Uh, yeah. Hoover? Oh yeah, I gotcha. Yep. Here we go. Brody, not that chum line again, will you? Let Hooper take a turn. Hooper drives the boat, Chief. So, <clears throat> I like that clip because, it, I mean, just going off what you said, he's still in the middle. Yeah. He's not, he's not even in charge. Even though it's his charter, he's still listening to Quint, the captain, mm-hmm. and he is now playing second fiddle to uh, Hooper. Hooper, yeah. And, <clears throat> but their roles are defined. Yeah. It's still defined to where he's still low man. He, like, Hooper has his own, like, he's, you don't see it, but he's playing solitaire. Yeah, on the boat, and uh, Hooper's playing solitaire on the boat, and uh, he's like, "Oh, why can't Hooper take a turn?" He's like, "Nope, he drives the boat." He's like, "This is your role," and <clears throat> which I think works because he's a, he's he has the least amount of expertise on that trip. Yep. And throughout the movie, you have Quint and Hooper kind of going back and forth, um, but there is some kind of mutual respect as far as they know how they know how to handle themselves on the water. Yeah. Where. Um, Brody absolutely doesn't. Right. Um, but he's always continuously playing second fiddle. Yeah. Um, I. What's that scene where uh, Hooper is, Quint wants him to tie knots? Yeah. He's, yeah. he's tying the knots. He's like, I haven't had to do this since like the Boy Scouts. And he does it like in an instant and yeah, throws at him. And throws like, it at him, doesn't even look at it. Right. And Quint's like, <laughs> like fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Show me your hands. Yeah. <laughs> ah, they're soft. Yeah. From counting money all your life. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I, l- I like that interaction too because yeah. Quint's testing him, and then just Hooper's just 
yeah. keeping up with him. Yeah. And um, and he's getting frustrated, yeah. yeah. Yeah, maybe this guy does know what he's talking about a little bit. Mm-hmm. Trying to prove him wrong. Yeah. The, the uh, But I, I like, as far as going into the, the, the monster uh, hunt portion of it, Yeah, I, I like the attaching the barrels. The um, which is a great was a great way because I'm sure the shark wasn't went, working that day. Wasn't working that day. Shit. How do we find yeah. uh, how do we find out where the shark's at? Yeah. Have a yellow barrel. Boom. Moving around. Yeah. And which I work I think worked fantastically. Uh, Jordan Peele did the same thing in Nope. Yeah. With the inflatable wiggly air yeah. guys um, yeah. to where oh where is it? Uh, you see, see it turn on is it? Yeah. It was ingenious too with uh, when they kept saying. Not two barrels. Not three with not with three, but and they kept going down. Yeah. They kept going down. You, you get that sense of geez, they're dealing with something that's yeah, that's otherworldly, incredibly almost. strong. Yeah. yeah. Um, and of course you have, I mean, you have the boat scene when they're comparing all their uh, scars, scars, and everything. One of my favorite scenes ever. And then you see, uh, you see Brody just kind of lift up his shirt, looking at his appendix scar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the that's the worst he's really that's come across. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and that that scene seems so natural. I don't even know. Was that even in the script? Do you think when Quint starts monologuing about the Indianapolis, the Indianapolis? I th- I feel like it was because uh, I it was think, scripted. I think it was in the book. Okay, I think, but I right. read the book five years ago. Well, I, I tell you what, Robert uh, Robert Shaw is just it, it 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 felt like a scene where like somebody like some they're just talking mm-hmm. and then like a camera comes in to film like a war veteran talk about. A story yeah it's it's so where he good. just has that thousand yard stare and yeah, he's yeah. Just regurgitating everything that he's remembering yeah and he really inhabits that character he's awesome yeah. love it like those black eyes yeah. like a doll's but, eyes like that's my favorite part of the movie there's no shark in it it's mm-hmm. just him talking at, at the table yeah, yeah. the uh um, yeah you get surprises of that in the movie that's another mm-hmm. reason why i like it it's just those things come, come out of nowhere and you don't yeah, it's not yeah. just one note. Kind it's not of a just movie. a one note monster movie. Mm-hmm. There's, it's again, it's about the characters that we talk about. That's why I like Tremors or Lake Placid. It's the interaction with the characters. Mm-hmm. The uh, yeah, because it's, it's about. I mean, it's a couple hour long movie. Yeah, uh, I feel like if it was made now, it would just be CGI shark and C- CGI shark. But it would also be like an hour and a half. Yeah, and um, it would mainly, I feel like, concentrate on the hunt for the shark as opposed to all the politics politics of it. And and I think, I mean, you have two different movies with the, you have the monster movie in the, uh, the beginning, you have the adventure movie at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, but having all those different layers to this movie, I think, is really what yeah. just, I mean, drives it home. But you know, funny story. I, I watched it about a, on the 4th of July, actually, mm-hmm. which is what your ritual, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, my son, who's seven, watched uh, the first ten minutes with me, the opening scene mm-hmm. with the the swimmer and stuff. Scared the shit out of him. Yeah, yeah. You don't even see a shark. Just her performance and stuff. He was just. <laughs> he's like, Daddy, what's this movie about? It's <laughs> <laughs> like there's a shark in there. It's like really. And then like the next month, we were going on a trip to the ocean. Mm-hmm. I was I was afraid he was gonna be scared to get in there, and, and he was fine though. But yeah, yeah. It, it's it's amazing. It's not amazing, but I mean, it's funny how young children can infer. I mean, they're just so intuitive mm-hmm. uh, to where a scene like that, to where they, they immediately know something is wrong, oh, yeah. but they don't know, but What's they're scared. Yeah. Be- and how that still translates to adults through the art of filmmaking. Oh, yeah. To where you don't know what uh, you can kind of infer 
what's getting her, but you're, you're not totally sure because you, it's the fear of the unknown. Right. Um, Absolutely. To where how well that works, not only for adults, but also small children as right. well. How do they do that? I know you've seen a bunch of making ups. How do they so get her to go back and forth like that? They, she was a stunt woman, and what they had done is they attached a harness to her, and I think it was an under, uh, oh, like a people crane, pull, pulling her? yeah, just pulling her back and forth, and I think it was oh. like a ripcord underneath, and I can't remember if she was actually injured, like her, like she had her back injury or something, but I mean it was just whipping her back and forth and Jeez. um well, so yeah, in the seventies yeah that's all they uh, <laughs> she was in a harness and they just dragged. That's how they. That's how they forth. treated women in the seventies, right? Hey, back, <laughs> back when men were, women were women and men were animals. So, um, but yeah, the yeah, uh, it, yeah. I mean, I, it's just a testament. Just uh, the fact that shark wasn't working. They were filming on water. Like they had everything going against yeah. it. And the fact that they were able to pull off one of the best movies ever made is. Amazing. If they weren't able to pull it off, we wouldn't have Steven Spielberg. Yeah, true. Yeah. It, yeah, it was the first blockbuster. Um, play the uh, let's play the last clip that I have. Let's do it. Hey, what day is this? It's Wednesday. It's Tuesday, I think. I think the tide's with us. Keep kicking. I used to hate the water. <laughs> I can't imagine why. So, oh, Jay. Yeah, it's a, the uh, obviously that's the, the the very last line of the film. Yeah. The, um, but I like that because I mean, with all that stuff, they could have easily um, done something to where yeah, they just go back, but they added just that little line that to where it brings Brody's arc uh, to full, like, just yeah, closes it. Yeah. Just closes it out. And um, to where he used to hate the water, obviously now he does. But, I mean, during the uh, the last portion, smile, you son of a bitch, he shoots the air tank. He's, a, I mean, he's playing second fiddle the entire time, completely out of his element, but he's the one to actually take down the shark. Yep. Um, I think it was a nice touch, too. Uh, but, um, yeah, it could have ended there. Yeah. It could have ended with you know Jaws sinking to the bottom of the yeah, ocean. Yeah, have like yeah. a RoboCop ending, right? And just sinking. End credits. Of, yeah. Boom. And yeah, it was a nice touch. Mm-hmm. Do you do you fi- do you think it's a uh, tragic the way that uh, Quint died after telling that story of his friends getting eaten by <laughs> sharks and he ends up getting eaten by a shark? It's a, it's a very literary ending. Yeah. For that for character because it's like he he was supposed to die that day but he didn't. Right. Um. Yeah, kind of like almost a, like a final destination kind of vibe. But, yep. Um, but yeah, tragic ending for for that character, which I think, I mean, that just goes with the writing. I yep. mean, I mean, it's a very well written movie, and I think a lot of it has to do with the book um, being there for source material. Mm-hmm. Um, I I feel like if this was just written just like a screenplay, it was written out of the blue for a movie. <clears throat> I think you would have it wouldn't have been as good. Um, I think part of the reason why this movie did so well, especially from the writing aspect, is that all the backgrounds of those characters were already there. Yeah, written in a book. And even if it didn't elaborate on some of the instances, like in the book, <clears throat> Hooper and Brody's wife have an affair. Um, oh yeah, you were telling me about that. Yep. And they they left that out. Uh, but during that dinner scene, they were still kind of like 
somewhat not really flirting, but you could tell she was really fascinated by his character. So maybe they had filmed some shots and they decided to cut it out. Yeah. Um, the, but there was so much background and so much subtext available to not only for the actors, but also for the script, the way they constructed the scenes that I think worked really well because you had that whole universe already created in another yeah. medium. Yeah. And I think, I think it added, I, I'm glad they cut that piece out. Like, uh, then uh, uh, Brody's wife having an affair mm-hmm. because it just would have added something more, more another stressor that didn't need to be there. Yeah. Because I like the other touches in this movie where, you know, he's stressed out over the politics of everything. Pe- actually people dying, mm-hmm. you know, and it's the weight is on him. Like I couldn't imagine like have being in that situation and you're just, you, know, you yeah, want to jump be- off a bridge and kill yourself. And then they have this scene where he's just at the table and his son is mimicking him. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, he, he's like, you know, give me a, a kiss. I need one or whatever. Yeah. It gives you that sense of, okay, this is how he's able to kind of overcome that a little bit. He has his little moments to where it brings him back. Like, okay, I have, he, he's something. got his family. Right. Right. And it's not, I'm not so under stress right now that I'm just going to break down and mm-hmm. just, you know, walk away. Yeah. And I, th- yeah, it would have been, I think added too much. Yeah. It would have just been unnecessary. Right. It, it would have felt unnecessary. Yeah. Um, in the book, it goes a lot more in detail as far as why she has an affair with him. And it's because uh, she no longer has that Ivy league life <clears throat> anymore. Mm. And, but he came from Ivy league. So it's kind of like, he fe- she feels like not as pretty. I mean, it's a very one dimensional kind of character, right. but there's reasons why she did it. But without exploring that, it would have felt like just out of place. Right. Um, and obviously jaws in the book is a lot more is a metaphor as far as what people are dealing with. Like in the book, Hooper dies. Um, p- probably because he banged Brody's wife. So that, that was his punishment. Uh, so he survives gotcha. in the movie, which I think is good. Um, because I think in the book, he either gets eaten out of the shark cage or the shark cage goes and he drowns. Mm. Um, but uh, That's the only part of the movie where I'm like, really? It, it, They're going to descend a shark cage on this boat that's barely hanging on? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I guess at that point they didn't have a choice. Yeah. He even says, you got a better idea? What do you want to do? No. Yeah. But yeah, the little, and the little human elements of it to where when you, when you go scuba diving or you go underwater, you spit on your goggles to prevent it from fogging up. Yeah. And they don't explain that um, aspect of it. Um, it's probably common knowledge back then. But when he was trying to, he's like, I don't have spit. Right. But you can just tell he's scared shitless. <laughs> he's like, I, I don't have spit. And he doesn't say, doesn't have a longest side like I'm scared I don't know if I can go in that cage he didn't, yeah, yeah. they don't have that horrible they one line why do you think Quint kind of went berserk and just destroyed all the radio equipment I've always wondered why he did that was he just irritated with the distractions of everything we need to focus on this problem at <clears throat> hand uh, maybe I, I feel like it was more of his own personal vendetta hmm. um, and I, I could see part of it being the distractions I think that's yeah. a good point but um but yeah, he does kind of lose it to where I, f- I feel like it's more personal and more emotional for him. Right. Um, then because the logical thing would be go back and then try again. Right. Um, I mean, but it, it could be the distractions. It could be we might not find this guy again. We might not. Um, we, yeah. We might not be able to find the shark again. Like this is our chance if we're gonna if we're gonna do something. Right. But, and going going back to you know when men were men. I lo- I like how when he destroys the equipment, 
and and uh, Brody's like, that's just great. <laughs> and then Quinn's like, ah. <laughs> Normally, like, a fight would break out. Mm-hmm. Like, Brody would straight up punch Quint in the face, and there'd be an all-out brawl. Yeah. But it doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. It's just, like, it's just guys settling their differences, you know, insulting each other, like, ah, shut up, you mm-hmm. know, and, and nothing happens. I figured yeah. today that would not happen. That would not be the way it went down. Yeah. Uh, there's also a little bit of uh, when the boat catches fire. Or like the lantern falls or something, and, yeah, yeah. And uh, Quentin's in the middle of something. He's like, uh, "Brody, he's like, put a fire." The fire. <laughs> yeah. Oh shit! Like of all this other shit that's happening yeah, yeah, all right, yeah. Brody, can you take care of yeah, that? Yeah, th- that's the least of my problems yeah. right now. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Jaws. What a great movie! It kind of make make makes this uh, episode anticlimactic for a top five because I think we both knew. I think everyone knows that this yeah. is the number one. Yeah, but you know what? When we were when we were when I was thinking about this and like, oh, Beast is coming out. Let's do a top five Beast movie. I didn't realize the Beast was gonna punch lions in the face, and Jay would have no interest in watching it. <laughs> can't do it because originally I was like, let's go watch Beast and you know compare it, kind of like what we did with Nope. But uh, yeah, what are you gonna do? Yeah, but that's yeah, all right. Yeah, if yeah. you haven't seen Jaws, see Jaws. Yeah, if you haven't seen yeah, if you, if you haven't seen Jaws, sor- sorry we ruined it for you, but <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I'm pretty sure if you're listening to this, you've seen Jaws. So. Yes, but if not, watch it. Even if you know how it ends, it's still it's fantastic. It's probably yeah, one of the. It might be one of my my top ten movies. My favorite top ten favorite movies might yeah. be. Yeah, I can't even remember the top five we did. I, I don't know, I remember when my number one, but I remember Roadhouse was on mine. <laughs> Roadhouse can't doesn't hold a candle to Jaws. <laughs> yeah. As far as far as filmmaking craft, yeah, this is probably one of the best that's ever yeah ever been made. Yeah, it'd be hard to argue with Quentin Tarantino on why this is the best film ever made. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. All right. Well, anything right. else on Jaws? No, I think we're good. All right. Well, uh, hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Uh, join us next time. Uh, which will be hopefully next week. Yep. Uh, it'll be posted a little bit, maybe Tuesday or Wednesday next week. But we will be t- discussing the first three episodes of House of House of the Dragon. House of the Dragon. House of the Dragon, the new game Game of Thrones show. Uh, you've seen the first episode. I sure yet, have. I have yet to see it, but by the time we release the next episode, three episodes would have passed. So we'll discuss that. Um, Hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, comment on our episodes at acastwithnoname.com or shoot us an email, contact.acastwithnoname.com if you would like to suggest a topic for a discussion, a movie for us to review, anything, uh, let us know. But, uh, but yeah. Yeah, we're going to have more clips. It's going to be yeah, smoother. more clips, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, just keep keep hey. working. If, if there's an aspect you want to see in the show or anything, let us know. We're, we're still trying to find... Yep. Are we watching Samaritan? Is that what we're also doing? Yeah, but that will be the after? episode after gotcha. House of Three Dragons. So yeah. House of Three Dragons. House of <laughs> three uh, three episodes of House of Dragon. God damn it! <laughs> the yeah the dragon uh dra- dragons double dragon. There were three dragons in Game of Thrones. Maybe that's where your head was at. Maybe I doubt it. it was probably probably not. just me having a stroke. So. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Uh, thanks for listening. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you.